And welcome back to Fully Equipped, a, a rare Monday edition of Fully Equipped, I might add, as we record this on a Monday morning. I wonder why we're recording this on a Monday morning. Not a lot going on, right? What a J-Wall. quiet week in golf. Yeah, J-Wall, RB, Uncle Gene is back. I know everybody's missed him. Boys, we, we have a ton to unpack. And this might, for those that listen to the pod and that are, are wondering, are, are you going to get a bonus edition? Because there's something dropping this week that is going to alter the game of golf. And that's that's not hyperbole. It's going to alter the game as we know it. So last week, uh, Golf Digest dropped an absolute bombshell. It, so <laughs> this this is this is one of those things that we knew was coming. the The USGA has been talking about these massive increases in distance. How it's it's forcing golf courses to to buy more land to to expand. We've seen it with Augusta National. Um, that's that's on you know one far side of the spectrum. But it's it's been to the point where they've been looking at ways to to curb distance. And one of the things that they had been proposing was a a model local rule golf ball. And this was a golf ball that they were suggesting. Uh, several months back, was going to be used at the professional level or by courses that chose to to adopt it for tournaments. And, and the ball was going to to fly shorter than the current golf balls. And this was their idea that they thought could potentially save the game. Um, <laughs> anyway, that that was the initial rule that they were that they were floating. Now it comes out that they are going to not only roll the golf ball back for the professionals, they are going to roll the golf ball back for everybody. So starting as as Mike Sachura from Golf Digest noted in his story, starting in 2028, they would start a period of bifurcation. Big surprise, because that's what was being floated around initially. They would bring this new golf ball out for the pros and then two years later in 2030 they would bring it out for everybody boys what is your what was your reaction this was this was the this was the worst friday evening news dump i've ever seen i was i was hanging out rb's putting kids to bed uh had a holiday party i gene i don't know what the hell you were doing on a friday night probably going to some you know Going to a club or going to check out a band that we've never heard of, maybe a German marching band. But what what the hell was your reaction when you saw this? When you saw this drop? Go ahead, RB. <laughs> oh, you're gonna let me go. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, well, first of all, like you said, yeah, uh, it was like the worst timing, of course, because you know I don't want to do anything on a Friday night. <laughs> um, and secondly, it was just, I think from a reactionary standpoint, everyone knows which side I'm on. If you listen to the podcast for, you know exactly which side I'm on. Um, I, I just think that it is one of those things where it will be interesting to see what the what the total fallout is. And of course, everyone's the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. But until we know what, what the actual like rule is going to be, like, is it going to, they're just going to impose what the MLR is across the board? 
Um, is, is that like the plan? Again, it's all we're all kind of playing the speculation mode. But if it is coming out the way that we think it's going to come out, then the next question becomes like, how do they, how do they do it? Right? Like, do they make the golf ball slightly bigger? Do they make it slightly lighter? And before I let Gene go, I'm going to say this because I, I wrote about this for golf.com. And I think this is very important to remember this in the context of how the rules have changed because the golf ball has changed a number of times. So I'm going to try and remember these dates. Okay. In 1952, the USGA and RNA finally came together to put the rules of golf all under one umbrella to say they have the rules of golf globally, except for one thing. And that was the British golf ball. The British golf ball known as the small ball was 1.62 inches in diameter and still had the exact same weight specifications, which I believe is 1.62 ounces of total weight. Couldn't go over that. The American ball was 1.68 uh, inches in diameter. So it was bigger. So when pros before 1973 would go, and they, this rule was very, this rule continued to be different for amateur golfers up until 1990. Up until 1990, you could still potentially buy small balls in the UK and in Australia. And they were longer, especially in the wind, because they flew lower because they were just smaller but weighed the same. And in 1972, the RNA said, okay, fine. If we're not going to like come to a compromise of like a smaller size or a bigger size, something in between, you know what? We'll just adopt the bigger ball. So American pros, when you come over, you got to play the new bigger ball. UK pros, if you want to play in the Open Championship, you got to play the bigger ball. But let amateurs play the small ball for as long as they want. And then in 1990, they officially made it non-conforming. And overnight, all of these UK pros that if they wanted to play in the Open Championship or wanted to play at the highest level, they had to switch to the big ball. And they lost like 15, about say, let's say 15, 20 yards and had to learn to play a new golf ball in the wind. And guess what? They all kind of were like, ah, sh ah poop, whatever. And like they did it. Okay. Like it's not new. This is not new. This is just now we're at a point where the golf ball is going too far for many, for, especially at the highest level. We've seen that. 555 yard par fours are driver, you know, short iron for these guys. Um, they, it's, it's something that there needs to be a slight adjustment and that's all it is. And as I've said, a golf ball that might spin more might actually benefit those players on the moderate swing speeds because we've seen it. And if Chris was here, he'd probably see the same thing. If you see moderate swing speed players in fits, they don't spin it enough. They don't hit it high enough. They can't stop it quick enough. This could actually be beneficial for those players if it goes down that route. So this is not the first time this has happened in golf. This small golf ball was illegal in 1990. I was four years old. Okay, like when you think about when the golf ball last changed. But this is something where I think overall for the health of the game, no matter what, these guys are going to get crapped on. Right? Like who who in their right mind is like, you know what? Let's get crapped on. Let's, you know, I really, no matter who I, I'm going to piss someone off. <laughs> like no one wants to do that their job. Right. That's like the Michael Scott approach, right? Like, oh, well, I'm going to do it anyways. So anyways, that's where I stand. I know where it is. I'm just, I'm very curious. What I'm most curious about is how they implement it um, from like a technology perspective. Because that's where I stand on it. I'm just very curious about it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Gene? Well, you know, I thought about it a lot over the weekend. And it's been interesting because how old were you in 90 RB4? So I was, I was, a, I was a bright shining four-year-old kid that didn't know what golf was yet. Okay. That's when I started in the industry and, uh, and I have, uh, I have watched rules in place over the last been placed over the last 34 years. Um, some I've agreed with some I've not, but I'd like to state first off that 
I have nothing but the utmost respect for the USGA and the RNA in regard to the rules. And I believe the rules of the game are, are very critical and important. And it's a very complicated game. And it's, it's challenging what they do and what they are required to do. Um, my issue has always been, and this has gone back 25, 30 years, is that they look at the tour to decide what the average golfer, how it's going to affect the average golfer. And in, in the title of the USGA is the word amateur. And it is, um, or no, sorry, that's association, but it is for amateurs. And uh, <laughs> just making it up now. I'm just making, I'm just making <laughs> shit up. It's seven in the morning. I haven't even started yet. Oh, all right, more coffee. Anyways, uh, if it if it is a fait accompli as it is being reported, um, I was singing over the weekend. I went to college and I was an international relations major. And one of the things I learned as an international relations major is that ruling bodies and institutions ultimately govern by the will of the people. And I believe that the majority of golfers have no idea who the USGA or the RNA are as bodies. They follow the rules of golf. They don't quite understand who governs the rules of golf, but they follow those rules tacitly or overtly. And the reason is most of the rules back to the 30 years that or 34 years that I've been in the business and seen these, these rules, they have limited potential distant increase. So the rules have been, you can't go longer, you can't go bigger, you can't go faster. They've tried to kind of put a cap on everything. This is the first time, if true, that they are taking away, that they are rolling back. And by rolling back, you're suddenly asking a golfer to sacrifice. And what's interesting about it is you're not asking that golfer, and I do understand their position as far as the footprint of golf courses, as far as the ecological ramifications, but you're asking a golfer, an amateur golfer who spends time and money to play this game to sacrifice their enjoyment for the sake of professionals who get paid for it. And that to me is a bridge too far that I think is going to cause a chasm and back to ruling by the will of the people. If the will of the people decides they don't want to follow the rules, that's a serious problem. The USG and the RNA do good work. And I believe that they have a sound set of rules, but my fear, if this creates a civil war, and people suddenly decide they don't want to play a golf ball that's 10 or 15 yards shorter, potentially, the first step will be they'll just start hoarding golf balls and stocking up on them. The second step is because we live in a capitalist society, right now, the non-conforming golf ball market is probably 1% or 2% max of the market. But if there's a demand and people want golf balls like the golf balls that they used to play, guess what? The OEMs will start, they they may have to deem them non-conforming, but they will start selling. And if that happens and you have kind of a burst of that dam, you governing bodies rule based upon the will of the people and the trust that they put in those institutions. And if that trust breaks down, then all of a sudden the whole rule system potentially breaks down. So I, I see it overall as a, a bigger threat in that the amateur player is paying 
for what the professional does. And that to me does not seem fair because the rules are ultimately for amateurs. They are not for professionals with the exceptions of a couple of events a year. So uh, I think that the bifurcation, um, while I didn't necessarily agree with it because I was, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But that has to be. And the interesting thing, I think they gave themselves some wiggle room with that two years. I see so much pushback in everything I'm reading. Even Tiger, who was such a big proponent of this, said, I don't think this should affect amateurs. Everybody knows where their bread's buttered, and that's ultimately with amateur golfers. And if you take away from amateur golfers, I think you really, really hurt the game. Yeah. You know, something, Gene, that you that you brought up that I think is is really important is like what happens if amateur golfers say, no, I, I don't want this golf ball. I just want to play my my regular ball. I don't play in any any tournaments. I just want to play the ball that I have in the bag right now. I'm having fun with it. I don't want to lose 10 to 15 yards, which is, you know, been been floated out there. Just give me give me the ball. I'll play the non-conforming stuff. I mean, that's that's where I I when I read this story, the first thing that came to my mind, the, the question was, how the hell did we get here? How did we go from floating the idea of, of a model local rule ball to rolling the ball back for everybody? And I can't believe that, that it was because a bunch of elite tour pros said, we're not playing this golf ball. And the PGA tour said, we'll, we'll, we're willing to have a conversation, but we're not willing to adopt this golf ball. So the USGA then just said, well, we're just going to give it to everybody. It just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that I have about, about how they came up with this decision. Um, one of the things that I will say, uh, speaking to several industry sources that I have, uh, and you know, again, I was speaking to them and, and on condition of anonymity, so I can't mention any names here, but I was told that, that the governing bodies haven't had any contact with several manufacturers since August. I mean, th- th- this to me feels like they've, they've gone rogue a little bit. And so that's where, that's where it makes me wonder like the, the why behind it. Why are, why are we including amateur golfers? Why not just, if you feel so strongly about, about a model local rule golf ball and you keep talking about how you want it to impact the elite golfers with those elite swing speeds. Great move forward with it. If you have that conviction, then move forward with it. But don't just all of a sudden waffle and you don't, you're not quite sure which direction you want to go. So you just lump everybody in and, and think that everybody's going to go along with it. That, well, that to me just doesn't make a lot of sense. You, you raised a really interesting point there. Think about it. The PGA Tour and the PGA of America are on record saying we're not going to follow this local rule, right? We don't we don't want to follow this rollback. So they could potentially maintain that same position. And it's going to be really interesting to see what their reaction is to it. Because if they say, Oh, we make up our own rules and we are not going to follow the USG's rule on this, guess who it affects only? Amateurs doesn't even affect the people that that are that are causing the issue in the first place. There's a potential that this could completely collapse and the other X factor in all this is live. 
You think Liv wants to see balls rolled back 10 or 15 yards when their whole, you know, uh, pitch is entertainment, fun, watch the long ball, see all these things. They have no interest in seeing that right now. And so um, it this thing could boomerang on them really, really severely. It, it's it's a it it could theoretically, if the PGA of America and the PGA Tour don't follow this, this could literally only affect amateurs and one or two events a year. I think at that point, if if that was the case, they they might just they might just walk it all the way back, and that's where I wonder if if that's why they have this two year gap between when they're introducing the golf ball to the pros in twenty eight, followed by the amateurs in in twenty thirty. That my only my only thought there is they want to just see how much it affects the game at the top, and then whether I, I it's think that's why to, there's to a, to, I think that's yeah. why there's a four year gap as well is they they want to give themselves enough time if this thing doesn't work. And who knows, you know, maybe maybe this is a negotiating ploy to that that the that they eventually settle on bifurcation, that they're putting their line in the sand and the PGA tour comes back and says, okay, you know, we'd be willing to do this. I I, I don't know, but it is amazing how many people are against this rule and what's shocking to me is the same uh, a large majority of the people that were for bifurcation are against this rule because the whole thing of bifurcation guys like tiger guys like rory and rory's statement was schizophrenic to say the least but it, yeah we, it, we have to unpack that one yeah yeah that one is just I, I just i read it twice and i was like is this the same statement um but uh they all were for a rollback as long as it did not affect the amateur golfer. And, and the, you know, the initial kind of forays in this, um, from the RNA were, Hey, we tried, nobody would follow us. So we're going to do something else. And the something else is like a situation or a rule that it seems like no one is going to be happy with. I think the one, the other thing, the other part of this too is like they're not a governing body, but obviously they have a big role in the game of golf, and that is Augusta National. Like they've kind of kept their mouth shut, similar to the way that you know they were very just wait and see um, from Live. And I go, I know that's a separate topic, but um, I do, I just, I, I feel like when we use the word amateur golfer, like the people who we talk or who we are talking to on this podcast are not the quote unquote amateur golfer. They are amateur golfers, but the amateur golfer is the one that is out on the golf course, like who doesn't know that we exist as a podcast. They don't know how to adjust their driver. They're never going to go get fit. They're buying their clubs from their buddies. They are like, you know, they're, they're buying used stuff. And I'm not, I'm not be, like, I'm not be smirching them at all. Like, I'm just saying like, there's a lot of, they play with 14 golf clubs. They play with a two way chipper. Like I'll tell you now. And again, this, it, it sounds like I'm, I'm talking down, but I don't mean be doing that, but like they won't notice anyways. Like I seriously mean that they won't notice anyways, because they already don't know how far they hit their golf clubs. They already under club already. Like, yes, I'm, I'm lumping a bunch of people into like a very large bucket, but the idea that it's, it's the 10, it's the uh, 10%, 90% rule, right? Like 10% of your customers are actually 90% of your entire business. And I think that's what the USGA is actually looking at here is we're talking about players like Gordon Sargent, who is like swinging the golf club at 130 something miles an hour. Like it is insane that that like those are 
and, and they are not unique. Like they are, we were talking about AJGA players who are swinging into the one everyone was talking, everyone was posting pictures of like Blocky's kid. I don't know his name. I'm sorry. Um, who was like, he's like the fastest junior around. Like he swings at 120 something miles an hour and he's 17 or 16 or whatever. Like that is what's happening to the game of golf. And unlike what we've seen in the past where someone like Phil, especially Phil or other examples like have and Furick have been around and had careers for 25 years. Like that, that has been golf for a long time and golf is becoming the, the Matthew Wolfs. No, I'm not, not because like of his skill set, but like could be really, really fast comes injured. And like, that's your career. Your career spans seven years, like an NFL, I don't know, running back. Are they, do they have short careers? I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a big football guy. <clears throat> so like, you're not going to get the, the protected Tom Brady's playing for 20 years and everyone would be wearing their jerseys because their kid grows up and goes to see them. It's like, here's a running back who's played for six years and we're going to pay him a lot of money because he's very fast right now, but he's going to get the absolute crap beaten out of his legs and his back and his shoulders. And he's not going to be able to, he's going to like limp around for the rest of his life after the age of 40, because he's got arthritis in every freaking joint. Like that could happen to golfers. And I think the USGA is looking at this long-term model of, look, if we make the golf ball a little smaller, all we're trying to do, and, and simply uh, to, to really simplify it is all we want to do is we want to shrink the scale of the game. The game is not getting smaller and the, and um, I remember listening to, it was, uh, I believe it was, um, what's his name? Oh crap. Ben Crenshaw, I believe it was, or, or Bill Corr talking about sheep ranch at, out at uh, Bandon Dunes. And it was on the Friday uh, podcast or whatever, but they're talking about the way they design golf holes. Cause this golf hole, this golf course is very short on this small piece of property. And they had to come up with a solution because of the, the dispersion cone of average golfers and their drivers. So they had to like figure this out in the way that the golf course was set up to prevent injury and danger out on the golf course. Now, part of that is on a short golf course, it's because the golf ball goes so darn far, right? All we're trying to do is shrink the scale just a little bit. Because let me tell you, DJ and Cameron Champ, they're still going to be the longest players. And everyone's still going to be amazed. But all we're doing is just saying we're going to just take it back a little bit and just see what happens. And hopefully at the end of the day, we have, we sustain, we keep the sustainability of, of the whole entire game of, of golf itself. Similar to how goalie pads got really, really big in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And like they were wearing lacrosse chest protectors and they had webbing underneath their sleeve. They were goalies would wear like four XL goalie shirts because they would just be like this flopping, like big, huge, massive thing that takes up the net. And like the NHL went, okay, guys, 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 you know what? Here's the deal. You can curve your stick however you want as a shooter. We don't care. That's a dumb rule. It doesn't really matter anyways. It's antiquated. You can curve the hell out of your stick. If you want to walk around with a, like a sheep thing, a sigh on the end of your hockey stick, that's fine. But goalies, we got to shrink those pads, guys. The net's not getting any bigger. We're not making the net any bigger. They, they thought about doing that and they realized, okay, why are we making the net bigger and fundamentally changing this? when we could just alter one part of the equipment and bring everyone back right? There's no goalies in golf. So what do we do? We have to just make things a little bit slower and hopefully, you know, create some more sustainability down the road because scoring averages really haven't changed. That's the one goes, Oh, it's so much easier, so much easier, so much easier. But like that 10%, 90% rule, that 90% that, you know, makes up 10% of like the actual golf purchasing market. Like they don't, um, like they they don't notice anyways. Like that's the thing. They're not. Yeah, but I just, I I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but there's just there's this part of me that that wonders if, if that's the case then why then why even lump them in like you you could have just you could have just left them out and just and just forged ahead it, that's that's the thing like even if the PGA tour doesn't doesn't adopt even even initially so what like 
it make this make this model oak rule ball a thing for the open championship and the US Open and you know see if eventually the the tour adopts and go that route. I just don't know why there was this there was this shocking about face by the USGA and it and the it to me it almost feels like well you want to play the the same ball as the as the pros. Well great. Well well here you go. Now you're going now you're going to get to play the same ball as the pros. And honestly, I don't really know how how much of an effect this is going to have on the future of the game. You know, it, I go back to something that that Dr. Sasha McKenzie posted on on Twitter over the weekend. And you know, we we've seen it. Look at Matt Fitzpatrick using the the stack system. I I truly believe that guys are going to be able to regain this lost distance at the pro level pretty quickly if they want to. If it's, I mean, this is their livelihood, so I would think that they would want to start speed training, build build up your build up your clubhead speed, and start and start chipping away at that at that lost distance. And I think pros are going to be able to figure it out. But what about amateur golfers? Like, not I mean, how many amateur golfers are going to actually take the time to go through speed training to to regain that lost speed? I know RB, I know RB is. <laughs> I've been I've been watching uh, I've been watching RB and and seeing him plateau and get frustrated and, and then find, find that next gear and, and increase speed. But it just, uh, it makes me wonder, you know, pros I think are going to be able to figure this out pretty quickly. And I think the manufacturers, even though some of the manufacturers I've spoken to, something else that we haven't really discussed is how a golf ball, a new golf ball is going to, to shape the way that manufacturers design equipment in the future, because this is, this is a holistic approach for them trying to find ways to optimize their gear and the golf ball, especially at the top level. I mean, this is, this is, this is their livelihood. So how do you make the best players in the world just as good as they were with the old ball? And I think that's something that they're already, I know, I don't think I know that they're already working on, but what happens for those guys that don't want to speed train? So you, you let the pros figure it out and, and regain that distance and we're back to where we were, but you're then gonna just leave the amateurs in the dust with this golf ball and be like, "Hey, man, I know that you may not like notice it." Kind of like RB said, and I and I tend to agree with that. Uh, you know, a lot of amateur golfers might not notice or care; they're just gonna go out and play. But it just seems silly that you're you're gonna lump them into this whole thing, you know. And and Mike Wan mentioned this. You know, he said basically that that amateur golfers, amateur golf is not obsoleting golf courses. He said this recently. So what, why are we here? And well, I guess, and, I, guess and, I guess we'll find out eventually when we don't, we don't have the official report yet. We're going to find out, but that's, that's my question is what changed? Why, why include I, the other golfers? I, I would agree that you're, you're kind of your weekend guy that, you know, that RB described that, you know, kind of your budget golfer that's an 18, 20 handicap probably is inconsistent enough that they really won't see it. They won't have enough metrics to be able to look at it, but the industry has always been driven by the 10 or 20% of, you know, what I affectionately call the sickos. And they're the ones that, that buy all the latest gear. And they're also the ones that buy the top line urethane golf balls. And those, that's the main driver of, you know, these companies aren't making money on their pinnacles and their two piece golf balls. They're making money on their pro V ones and their Chrome softs. And those players will notice because those players are spending the money. They know how far they hit it on this hole and they're not going to be happy to be punished 
by what someone does on Sunday. I, I, I mean, I, I, I know that anecdotally enough. I get enough calls during the week from people I know. I get a call from my retired accountant who's 89, lives in the desert, and he gets into these you know, discussions around the grill at the retirement course that he lives at, you know, which ball is the furthest and, you know, and everybody's looking for an edge and, and, and all of these things. The only solution that I see potentially, and it's a golf course architecture solution is that the, if they just move the tees up, but even doing that, it's still your second shot. You're still limited on your second shot. And, and it's just the game is hard enough for amateurs and to take distance away. And, and back to your point, Jay Wall, about it affecting the health of the game, I think you will see a healthy amount of people quit the game out of frustration because they figured the game out or at least to a level that they can enjoy themselves with with this distance. If you're 60, 65, you don't want to have to re- and let's say you play to a 12 for example but you play once a week with your with your buddies and everything you don't want to relearn the game at this point you don't want to have to relearn what all of your irons do and potentially go get a new set of irons potentially go get a new driver based on what the architecture of this golf ball does does it fly too high does it spin too much because you've been on a launch monitor and got everything optimized you're going to feel like this is too penal and you didn't do anything other than follow the rules of the game and support the game. And now you are paying for what the most elite players do. I, 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 I think the blowback is going to be pretty extreme amongst amateur golfers because you are simply giving them a tax. And the, the ultimate, the ultimate irony is you are giving them a tax for what they don't, they don't get paid to play the game. And you're you're giving them a tax for people that get paid to play the game, and that just that just seems to me back to the will of the people. I think there's going to be some serious serious pushback on that. I think I, I will disagree with the the quitting thing, and I, the reason I say that is because if you think back to like the 40s and the 50s and the 60s when golf was booming, and Jack Nick and and Arnold came around, and like everyone wanted to play golf, and it was huge, and country clubs were popping up everywhere. Golf was freaking hard already. <laughs> like the the idea that um, and uh, what was it like? Think about it this way too, uh, um, because they ha- they have to they want they want to do something and they feel now is the time to do something. Everyone's like, oh, golf's in this great position. Like we can't do it now. It's booming. Well, if golf was in a crappy position, people would say, oh man, like you can't do this now. We're we're just we're just trying to get more people to play. You can't do this. Can't do this. Can't do this. And then if it was like in a medium position where like it was like five ten years ago before COVID, everyone would be like, no man, we're just trying to grow the game. We're just trying to grow the game. You can't do this now. Like everyone's just trying to figure out a reason to not do it now. And um, again, I I don't think that anyone anyone that I know who is like new to the game, and I know I would say I could count probably half a dozen people that I know have taken up the game in the last five years. First of all, they don't know the rules of golf. They know that they have golf clubs. They don't care about the clubs that they use. Most of them of which I've, I've passed on to them from my grand collection of stuff that I don't need. And they, they just, they're not going to quit. Cause you know what they, you know what it is? It's a social thing. It is a complete and utter social thing to go out and have fun. And they still try and get better and they still go to the range, but it's golf to me is, is one of the few things where it's very, like there's a lot of sports that 
that or sports or activities that cater to the average player, the player that just wants to do it on the weekend, that just wants to have fun. But to your point, and you're very right. I don't think there's any golfer really that wants to go out and, and play worse. But I also believe that it's kind of this like weird fallacy, which I know I, and I, I see it all the time, regardless of age group. <laughs> like I see it from 40 year old guys that are six handicaps. Like, oh man, you wait five years. I'm gonna be on the champions tour. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be clean and shoes around here. Okay. Like give me a break. There's like this idea that like, we're always trying to get better. And that's a good, that's a, it's human nature to want to get better at something. And it's human nature to fight change. It is right. We all hate the idea of change. If they change the subway, the way a subway sandwich is made, or the amount of pickles on a Big Mac, let me tell you, people will be in a freaking uproar. Okay. But the, the fact that they're going to take away a little bit of distance and most people aren't going to notice. And the fact that most golfers who walk into a golf store aren't going to really see a huge difference. I, I think that there, there will be no great drop off of people that play golf because, and again, it, it comes down to like this me, 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 me mentality. Look, I speed train. I work in this industry. I help sell golf equipment to people. I've sold golf equipment to people. And I still think that the, the betterment of the rest of the game, because look, I'm going to die one day and I know it's going to happen at some point, like to be more altruistic and say like, you know, this, this thing needs to exist longer than like, you know, we have fresh water to water golf courses and all of these things. We're just shrinking the scale. It's all we're doing. It's not, it's not, it's nothing crazy. Like it's, and they go play golf courses in Switzerland, which is the Omega tournament, which Ludwig Aberg won, which by the way is sick. One of the best views all year when they have that tournament up there in, in the Swiss Alps is like that golf course effectively plays like 6,300 yards, right? Like every, and it's still exciting to watch. Like it doesn't, it's just kind of like one of those things, right? Like the idea that it need, like we were getting like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I can get worked up and like argue about it, but like, I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't like, I just hope it changes and like everyone gets happy. <laughs> Maybe that's the Canadian side of me. I'm like, oh, well, you know, this is what I feel, but like, you know, if it happens, whatever, it's all good. Doesn't mean that I'm not opinionated. I, I, I would, I would make, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, RB, but during the fifties and the sixties, when the game boomed, it was so small in comparison to what it is now. I mean, even when I entered in 1990, game was still the you know equipment was still a cottage industry you know and i think i've told you callaway and cobra were like both less than five million dollar a year companies and i mean you know the big three were wilson spalding and mcgregor and even those companies no one was close to the global footprint the 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 media footprint this this game has exploded in the last 34 years and it doesn't take a, a, a large number of people to quit to dramatically affect the industry and dramatically affect um the health of the game and i would also add <coughs> excuse me um a demographic angle if you i'm a big demographics guy and always looking at at how that can effectively affect countries and their and their trajectories and we are an aging population and as we age and we have this massive uh, amount of baby boomers that we're going to have for the next 20 or 30 years and they are a large large percentage of golfers right now and they're not going to be doing speed training their days in the gym are numbered they're they're you know golf is their exercise and if you start taking away from them and create a frustration level and they feel like they're being penalized for 
something that they had no part of. They don't affect the ecological footprint of a golf course. I think you're going to get a lot of disgruntled golfers. And as, as that happens, I think you're going to see a, a, a fair amount of them quit the game. And it doesn't take much to start tipping the game. And once it tips it in that direction, then all of a sudden you start to see adverse effects of this ruling on the entirety of golf. Just from like a, a humorous perspective, I just want to see, I want someone to take it to Charlton Heston from the end or I almost said NWA, <laughs> the, the NRA convention back in the day where he's holding that thing and put a box of pro V's in his hand or like a box of golf balls. I should just say a box of modern golf balls. I'm not picking on any brand. It'd be like, you can take it from my cold, dead fingers or hands or whatever. I'm going to mess up the line from the. I was going to say, keep going with it. Uh, keep going. You, you, you've I already, you, I you're doing, you're doing great, RB. Keep going. Like that. <laughs> you take it from my cold, dead fingers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just. <laughs> I think we all we all we can spoken like a true Canadian. That was uh, <laughs> spoken like someone that is missing out on all kinds of different references here. Um, but yeah, I just I think it's one of those like look we we all get worked up because it's our it's our job to like be uh, to be opinionated. It's, it's our job to to talk about this this game and equipment. Uh, but I I just think that from the overall health perspective of of the game, from the way that the footprint is, the way that water usage is. And the future of it, and I get like, look, I understand there are there's reports from OEMs that talk about, you know, this has gotten longer because golf course developers want to put more houses on golf courses. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that isn't true. All right, let me tell you, real estate developers love cramming houses on golf courses because guess what, that house is worth 150 grand more if it backs onto a putting green. Okay, like I get that, I totally understand that, but I also don't think that that's the same thing that we're talking about when it comes to what the actual like the the game itself when we talk about municipal golfers and golfers at private clubs and golfers who are part of that that buying public that true like demographic of, of buying golfers so we are we're all up in arms uh but I, i'll just say that what i really want to know and the nerdiest nerdiest part of me i just want to see how they make it go shorter i really do i i, I got the chance oh, to see yeah. I'm so excited. Like I'm, I'm truly excited because, like, look, I can go right now. I can go grab a Gen Two. Gen One Kirklands were very good, but I can go grab a Gen Two Kirkland, the Performance Plus one, and go out and put it on a launch monitor versus a number of different premium golf balls from other companies. And it spins a lot more. It launches a lot higher. The aerodynamics are different, and it is like 15 yards shorter for me at my swing speed right now. It's like 15 yards shorter off the driver, and I still go out and listen. There are times. Yes, I get golf balls from all kinds of companies, and I appreciate it very much. But there are times when I go out with my my Kirkland golf balls and say, screw it, and I'm really curious to see how it, what it's like playing with this thing. And yes, I just hit a club longer into a green, and guess what? My scoring really doesn't change. And I spent years playing persimmon golf clubs out on the golf course, and my score really doesn't change that much. And yes, I understand. I'm a sicko. I'm a complete nutter sicko and a complete nerd. But I think that the overall idea that, oh, hey, like, you know, we're going to do this is going to be, it's, at the end of the day, it's going to be, we're all yelling at the clouds like Homer. There we go. I'm going to get that one. Old man yells at clouds. Um, we're all going to be yelling, barking into thin air because it's it's going to it's going to happen. They're going to want to do it one way or the other. No company wants to be branded the company that makes illegal golf clubs or che cheaty golf clubs. Just like Callaway didn't want to do it when when they had the ERC two and Arnold Palmer of all people, the man with the most amount of goodwill in this entire game, um, was like 
raked over the coals because of it, because it's like, how can you do this at the game of golf? How can you like, you know, promote illegal golf clubs and, and go against the things that brought you to the, he won a U.S. Open, didn't he? Yeah. He didn't win a PGA. I think that's what it was. Um, like, how could you do all this stuff to the game? No one wants to be in that position. And I think at some point it's just, it's going to have to change. Can we, can we unpack Rory McIlroy's comments? Ooh. Yeah, I know that's, that's Gee, j- how- just for you in like a little, Ooh. little, like little, I said the voice of reason when I I quote tweeted him and I said the voice of reason and I was almost oh, going to say Gene, but uh, anyways no I I mean I thought it was, I thought it was a good statement I thought it was interesting yeah so Rory has been which one the, the first or the second because yeah, there were two well, in that yeah so he's been he's been of the belief that that a rollback needs to happen at the elite level and so shortly after the shortly after the the breaking news dropped. Rory went to social media, which he hasn't done a whole lot of social recently. We haven't seen, I think Rory's really trying to, to just dial it way back. You know, he's, he's off the policy board. He's trying to, to just focus on his game, you know, work, you know, hang out with his family. He, he doesn't like to get into all this, but you know, eventually he's going to give you his take. And so Rory was, Rory posted on social media. He said, I don't understand the anger about the golf ball rollback. It will make no difference whatsoever to the average golfer and puts golf back on a path of sustainability. It will also help bring back certain skills in the pro game that have been eradicated over the past two decades. The people who are upset about this decision shouldn't be mad at the governing bodies. They should be mad at elite pros and golf and club slash ball manufacturers because they didn't want bifurcation. The governing bodies presented us with that option earlier this year. Elite pros and ball manufacturers think bifurcation would negatively affect their bottom lines when in reality, the game is already bifurcated. You think we play the same stuff you do? <laughs> Which is, I have to laugh because that's... Love some, it. Yeah. They put pressure on governing bodies to roll it back to a lesser degree for everyone. Bifurcation was the logical answer for everyone. But yet again, in this game, money talks. Um. <laughs> I just say, yeah, it's like Rory's one of the few players that has enough money, enough like, like, um, clout within the game that first of all, he, he would stand, he could stand there and be like, look, I get paid by an equipment company. But let me tell you, they're effing you. <laughs> Like, yeah. and, and he, he doesn't say that right but like i you know what i mean i'm i'm, be, I'm being tongue-in-cheek here no yeah but no for for sure he but has it's, enough clout to yeah, say like yeah. there's look and you can go to the conforming list and find not just golf balls from TaylorMade, which he's a sponsor and that's what golf ball uses but from other manufacturers as well callaway and titleist that they make specific golf balls that are only available for tour players and that is to dial in their specific things and if you talk to most tour players the reason they play older like three woods and stuff like that. Cause the new ones go too far. Like they physically slow them down, which is kind of nuts. Um, Cause they don't want their three woods to go as far as their drivers where amateur golfers want that. Um, but he has enough clout to be like, look, if, if they're going to like be pissed off at me, like oh, they'll terminate my contract. I don't care. Cause like I got enough money from my, my whatever that all the stuff that I need, I'll just go, you know what? If I need to buy my own damn equipment and like have my own club builder on tour. Hey Roy, I'm, I'm just, I'm just shouting you out here, dude. I'll follow you around and build your golf clubs. Um, but He's gonna finance his own damn tour van. Like he could do it if he wanted to. Like it's like he is one of those players, which is why I think him and Tiger, who has said, Tiger has spoke on bifurcation and slowing it down, but I think he is willing to stand there and say like, look, like it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all this stuff. Like look, of course we play different equipment. 
you know, the, the Ford Taurus that drives around in NASCAR is not the same Ford Taurus you go out and buy. I don't even have to think the Taurus anymore. Um, but like the, the Mustang they drive around in NASCAR is not the same Mustang you go buy off the rack at a Ford dealership, right? Like it's, there is the big difference there. And to say that, you know, the company that I get paid money for, like they argued against this, like that's a, that's a strong ass position to take. And he can say he could take it because he got a lot of money and he doesn't have anything I was to say that, Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of money. And and Rory said some things that uh, pretty pointed comments about about his gear in particular over the last year or so, where you can you can tell that he just he's gonna say what he wants to say. But like let's unpack a little bit of this because Rory starts off by saying, I don't understand the anger about the golf ball rollback. Really? You don't understand the anger about the golf ball rollback? I mean the the tour that you play on is is already saying that they're that they're not going to adopt this um you know other pros have been angered it, i mean i get it but they, they you've got guys that don't want to lose distance like it, it it's it's not that difficult to to comprehend but the other part about this that he says at the top w- was that it's going to it's not going to affect the the average golfer it will make no difference whatsoever to the average golfer and puts golf back on a path of sustainability. Uh, what, if, of course, it's going to affect the average golfer. It's, it's, that's what they're doing here. They're, they're now rolling the golf ball back for everybody. Yeah, I know. RB showing. So <laughs> the, for those that didn't see it on social media over the weekend, RB, what did you post? It, it, did, it did go like slightly viral. Our team at golf took it and they made a graphic out of it, which then made it even more. So I did not, I did not notify them of that, and they did not notify me. They just took my my tweet and put it out there, which was pretty funny. Um, now, it's I what did I do? Okay, so I took a set of irons and I wrote rather than four to pitching wedge, I wrote five to gap wedge on it. And I said, look, if you're really upset about like hitting one less club into the green, well, just you know, write seven iron on the bottom of your golf club. And everyone, you know, there were some people that were like, oh, oh, that's what OEM's been doing for years. But listen, I've been playing a set of golf clubs where my pitching wedge is 45 degrees for the last whatever number of years. And it doesn't change. And in fact, I've gotten stronger lofted irons and I've generally bent them back to like similar parameters. Um, so the the idea that like, oh, it, it affects, again, it, I, I just, I agree. I agree with Rory. Like everything that he said, I agree with him. I just, I think Do you agree he, that he said when he says that it will make no difference whatsoever to the average golfer. I just, I just, and when I, again, I, when I say average golfer, I'm talking about there's like the plus 20 handicaps that are out there. Cause that is the majority of the golfing public. That is the majority of the people that actually go out and play the game and are, are like up in arms about it. And then the percentages get smaller and smaller and smaller. And when we talk about club head speed, it's kind of like, um, it's like when we talk about scoring average or anything like that, like, you know, it's, it's like the five handicap who's like, yeah, you're, you're really good. And you're like probably one of the top 4% or 5% of golfers at your club, depending on your club or course or whatever. But like in reality, and it's, I mean, I, here's an example. I use my wife as an example. My wife and I, my wife plays golf. I mean, most people know that. Um, it's like a say 15, 16 handicap. And she realized that very like I used to play a lot of golf with like these young kids and they were all like, they've all basically went out to play like college golf and stuff like that. And I was a decent stick and she's like, oh, I don't feel like comfortable playing with all these people. They're all too good. They're all way too good. They're all way too good. I'm like, listen, you're living in a bubble. Like this is not the regular golfer. Like this, these are kids that are going to go out and play college golf. They're very high level junior players. Like we have a lot of fun. We crap talk each other. And like we hit, we play some decent, we put in some decent scores. Like you don't need to be embarrassed because you don't understand that. Like you are still a very, very good golfer. 
Now we go out to the municipal golf courses and play, and we play at other places. And say, Man, a lot of people suck. I'm like, yeah, this is you lived in the bubble of like these are all like the people that actually play golf. Well, in fact, this is a very small percentage of the people who play golf, and the average golfer is out there just trying to like hit it straight, hit fairways, and not three putt every other green. <laughs> like again, I'm probably not the people listening to this podcast, right? I I I can't wait to talk to my dad. I I, I haven't done this yet. I'm going to talk to him and wait for him to ask me what the heck's going on with the golf ball thing. Cause he's going to go, well, why is everyone arguing about it? <laughs> I really do think that's going to happen. Gene's quiet. Well, I, th- I think we've, I think we've kind of run this topic into the ground for today. As I mentioned, we're, this is a reaction pod. We wanted to get some reaction from RB and Gene on what the heck just happened. Hopefully by the middle of this week, we should have some additional insights. We, we're probably going to do an emergency pod, would be my guess. Once the the USJ and the RNA drop their their official statement with all the the fun details that look, there were some details that were dropped in in the story, but I, I prefer to do my own reporting. And so far, we haven't heard anything concrete. So let's just wait on that. Um, RB's got one. What? What RB? <laughs> I know. So this is not golf ball related, but I think it's a really cool story. I know we're mostly golf ball, but if we're gonna quick, quick, quick reaction, which I think is kind of cool. Scotty Scheffler changed. Oh uh, well, I was about to like say, yeah, yep, yep. He no, won like no. by three or four shots by yeah. this tiny little yeah. putter company. Yeah, and to me, we got to discuss like of, it. It's one of the coolest stories in golf. Yeah, I know we're all talking about the golf ball, but yep. Scotty Scheffler, who has struggled with his putting and didn't necessarily even have the best Sunday, hit the golf ball like a freaking. Like man from the heavens this week. Yeah, but he always um, he always does that. It's just the the putter he always is, does. Yeah, it's the putter that just has has continued to confound him this year. Comes out it comes out with a new putter, different kind of alignment style, different slightly head shape. Although it is like a, a Newport two answer two style. Like we're not going to like beat around the bush and say that it's not. Comes out with a new putter. All of a sudden he wins again. First win since the Players Championship. Could be a big year for Scotty. But anyways, I think it's a cool story. Olson Manufacturing. Uh, it goes to show that if you just, if you work your butt off and you make good stuff, people might find you if you put yourself in the right places. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool story. So last, last week we were, we're sniffing around Getty and found a picture of the putter face that, and look, there, there are certain players because it is a small field. It's a lot easier to, to check in on all the big names. And sure enough, it's like, you look and you go, Hmm. Olsen does does Scotty have a dog named Olsen like what what is this and then after you start sniffing around and and then it was like oh this is a real story the Olsen Olsen manufacturing out of uh, Fortuna California Uh, Logan Olsen is the is the founder and apparently Scotty saw his stuff and Scotty's team reached out to Logan and they started a dialogue on the the putter and went through some testing and Scotty made a few tweaks and sure enough, he decides to use the putter at the hero. And I mean, other it's crazy RB because he wins. He finished sixth in strokes gained putting for the week. And that was, that was with finishing dead last in strokes gained during the final round. He lost a little over three strokes to the field during the final round, which is crazy. So he was having a really good week on the greens. It, you know, yeah, everybody's saying it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ping answer. It's an answer style blade. 
And it, we don't we know exactly what it is. You can see from the bottom, the 343, my guess, is 343 grams, which is the head weight. The 303, I'm, I'm assuming, is probably what, like 303 stainless? We thinking? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the, here's the argument. And I know I'd love to hear Gene's. If you go, look, I get it. Yes, they all look very similar. Oh, it's an answer to style. But let me tell you, folks, every driver out there is 460 cc's, and you get it on that damn robot. And I'll tell you right now, they are not the same driver. Okay, they do not perform the same. And I think it's a it's 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 a although it you know the technology might not be the exactly the same. I think yes, it has a similar characteristics of other putters, but it's meant for Scotty, just like a 460 cc driver for like. John Rahm is not the same 460cc driver for Rory. Like it's 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 very very different in that sense. Yeah, we lost Gene, or I'm sure he would he would have oh, responded no. there. Yeah, Gene's gone. Um, but it is cool. Well, to we know from, we know from robot testing they're not. The same. Yeah, they they are definitely not the same. And I think it's cool that we are. I think it's cool that we're seeing how Gene's back. So Gene can confirm that that not every 460cc driver is the same. Gene, no. Gene, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. They don't. They sorry. Don't sorry. <laughs> Sorry, my, 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 my spinning wheels started going and I was just hearing like echoes and chirps and all kinds of weird shit over here. So I'm back. Usual things that Gene hears in his head. Yeah, exactly. They came out on uh, the pod, started freaking uh, me out a little bit, but anyways. Yeah, but it's, I think it's a combination of, of not just the putter. I mean, we're, we, this is a gear podcast, so we're talking about the putter, but he's now working with Phil Kenyon. And Phil Kenyon's stable continues to to grow, so I think that certainly is playing a role in in getting. I mean, Scotty initially at the Ryder Cup went to a larger grip, and now we're seeing him go back to a a more traditional head shape with the larger grip, and it seems to work. And we don't have a ton of details. I reached out and I had a chance to briefly chat with Logan. Um, he said that that Scotty had worked with the putter. He had sent him a, a couple of versions. You know, landed on a final version after the tweaks. He tested it at home in Dallas and ends up putting it in play. And I would imagine that his list, his wait list for putters, is probably growing. Yeah, it's. it's I think the, his Instagram the, following the doubled this weekend. Oh man, it, it I'm had. Pretty to. sure it doubled. That's cool to see. And again, it's cool to see one of one of the the, the smaller guys. You know, it's tough to break through when it comes to the PGA Tour because all you know those guys are constantly looking for. For some sort of compensation, but Scotty's just looking for a good putter, and I think he found it. So we'll we'll continue to track that story. It I'm just interested to see if anybody else uses an Olsen. You know how the tour is. It's just a bunch of guys who are looking to see what's hot. And if Scotty Scheffler, who is struggling with the putter, is now all of a sudden finding it, I I'm pretty sure somebody else is going to be reaching out to him and asking for an Olsen. So maybe we'll see a couple more when the calendar turns to January, which isn't that far off, boys. But in the meantime, we will wait for the USGA's response on what the hell is going on, and we will maybe unpack it on Wednesday. We are traveling later this week, which will make things slightly difficult. But hey, RB, maybe you and I can can do a, a Reacts pod together, because we will actually be together in person later this week. I'm looking forward to that. We will. Details to follow where we are, undisclosed yep. location. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, with that... Let's wrap up episode 219 of Fully Equipped. Thanks as always for listening. If you want more gear goodness, check us out on the social channels at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter, at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. 
Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. See you around.